wings, listen up. Today's run is vitally important to our cause. Set your frequencies to Dice Time, a Star Wars Legion podcast and part of the Legion Academy Collective. Your lead wing captain today will be Ben Gedron, and your support ship leader will be Paul Watson. Let's show them what we're made of, Rebels. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dice Time. I'm Ben Jetrin. I'm Paul Watson. And we are coming to you live from beautiful Lothal. We have finally made our way out of Tatooine, and we are here on this beautiful, lush grass planet. I almost forgot what grass feels like, Paul. It's so nice. Look We've at had, this weaving. I've, I've had sand stuck in places where I don't want sand, and I'm glad to finally be rid of it. That's rough. That's coarse. Gets everywhere. Anyway, so here we are. We're on Lothal because we are actually checking out a uh, neat little droid workshop that's opened up recently. Uh, and I believe if we are where this map says that it's actually right through here. Paul, would you like to go in first? Go ahead. There you go. Oh, I see. I see how it is. You're gonna no, send me in first. Okay. Yeah, not because of any trust issue I have with the place or anything that I've heard. Just I just thought you know to be nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll yeah. be fine. Alrighty, here we are. Got a lot of droid parts around here, and let's see if see if anyone's at the counter. If we uh, is there, is there anybody here? Hello. Oh, hello. Hey there. Just, what can I do for you? We uh we heard that there was a uh, new droid workshop that just opened up here on uh on Lothal and we uh we just thought we'd pop in and see see what you had. Oh, welcome, welcome. Business is booming, but we always accept new customers. Well, that's good. So uh this everybody, this is my uh my friend Caleb. Uh he is a uh up and budding legion player who's just joined the community. And, uh, we thought we'd introduce him onto this cast as a, uh, just as a quick little interview to do since last month we were talking about building your community and, uh, getting new people in. Uh, I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to get like an actual, like somebody who's actually going through this perspective, like for the first time and just get, uh, and just get their, get their take. So, uh, we're, we're happy to have you on, Caleb. Glad to be here. You caged me. You found a wild noob. And here I am. Caged him and put him put him in the Legion contraption. So obviously, uh, I know that uh, you love the CIS. You love the droids. Um, what all? Like what? What do you love about Star Wars? Like in in general, I'll say as a broad thing before we talk about Legion. I know you love like the droids and the CIS is your big pull. I think. Yeah, I I really I really like uh, the idea of droids. I think the biggest pull for me. Um, by the way, you asked why I like Star Wars. I think droids was a big part of that. Just because you're living in a universe where uh, there's this race almost of, you know, creatures that were manufactured. And it's kind of like the next, uh, you know, the the next sentient thing. The evolution. It's, yeah, it's the latest in evolution. <laughs> I think that's really appealing. Well, and I was gonna say you're like a you're you're a tech guy in real life. Like you're you're an engineer. You do you do all the tech stuff. You love you love tinkering and stuff in real life. So I can obviously see like Indeed. droids. Yeah, so yeah. droids are, is an obvious choice for you. <laughs> yeah, there's some bias there, and that I just think they're cool. <laughs> I just think they're neat. I just think they're neat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
so yeah, I think they're neat. Um, and, uh, you know, in the context of Legion, why do I like the CIS? Cause I don't gotta feel bad when they get table wiped. That's also true. <laughs> that's, that's one thing I gotta tell people with the CIS is it's like, well, you gotta, you just gotta accept the fact that you're gonna be pulling models out on the table, off the table every time a wound comes through. Yeah. Oh, there goes Lenny. Or was that Bob? Uh, there goes a droid. Just don't look at him. It's fine. But they're also the army where you get to, like, no matter what point level you're at, you're bringing, like, an entire horde of, of, of bodies to the table. So that's always fun. That's, you know, what you expect, you want to do in Legion is you want to just bring, like, an entire, an entire Legion onto the table. And then, uh, droids is definitely the one where it feels the most because you're bringing all the extra bodies per squads and everything. So obviously I brought you into the hobby because I was like, Caleb, I do this thing. You like star Wars. You, you should, you do, should do this. Th- yeah. <laughs> you should do this thing. But, um, what has been like, and, and you've played like some other, like, like video game war games and stuff as well before, like you like right. tactical war games and stuff like that. So what's like, What's your experience bringing in, like, your first, like, real tabletop war game? Like, how does that compare to, like, the other war games and stuff you've played in the past? Or right, other Star Wars right. games, even? Um, You know, it's kind of a really new experience for me. Even just the technical details, it's kind of jarring. Just because, you know, I'm a genuine nerd. I do like other Star Wars video games. Yeah. I'm interested in various kinds of tabletop games. But this is my first tabletop war game and so there's mm-hmm. a lot of like okay i actually have to get my eye down there and find line of sight and i think that's just really appealing because you know there's a lot of things that in other media they can simulate kind of mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah this unit can see this unit but all the math that happens like in a digital space that's all programmed in there um well there's there's just infinite variables on the tabletop yeah i was you know, gonna the say maps the never gonna be the same. Yeah. Right. Where it's so, like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say now there's like the human element. It's, it's you now, you know, you're, you're doing some of those calculations yourself now. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. And so yeah. it's just never the same, you know, there's never going to be the same scenario. And I think that's, that's hard to get in other mediums. Yeah. I was going to say, it's nice to get, um, it, it's kind of like infinite replayability in a sense, because yeah, you've got things that will, like quite literally almost never happen again. Like this map will never be the same layout or, Oh, I we're playing a completely different objective. So I'm not even on that side of the board anymore. So it's, yeah. So you, you've got, or I could choose to move over here instead of over here. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, variability and replayability in that. And it, yeah. yeah. And it makes for fun scenarios that almost don't like that don't always happen or that one nope. that wouldn't normally happen. One thing that wasn't immediate, like immediately clear to me is that if you're playing a, a war game or any kind of game in the digital space, so a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the content that gets added is locked behind a certain skill level. Like people can add mods and sure you can go through and customize some things, but fundamentally on the tabletop, everything's player created. Everything you, everyone's designing their own army, the composition, the paint, even the, the nature of the map. A lot of that, I know you are really into like making terrain and finding terrain mm-hmm. and putting it together. And 
so much of that. I would say pretty much everything except the rule set is player content. And I yeah. think that's just fascinating that in a lot of other games, there's this barrier of, oh, you got to know how to mod or you got to know how to design rule sets. You know, you have to have a high skill level to get into it. And granted, there are some really skilled painters, and I know you're one of them, that can really take it to the next level. But it's not just that you can do this. And in Legion, you have to do this. You have to assemble your minis. Even though yeah, they're pre-made, there's different, you know, orientations you put them in. You're going to paint these guys. I know. Uh, Unless you just get someone else to do that. it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Unless you just, Unless you just make someone else do it. But that's still Even somebody you're doing requesting it. something, right? You're saying, oh, yeah, I want true. this guy to look like this. You still have that input. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of my favorite things is like as far as hobbying goes. Like some people are just like, I would rather anyone else hobby my minis for me. I really don't care just as long as they get assembled and painted. I don't care. And then there's people like me that have more fun hobbying sometimes than I do playing the game. <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to put your own kind of like you were saying, put your own stamp on it. Like, this is something I made. Like, this is something, like, this is me on the battlefield. Like, this is, or this is my, like, personal stamp on this game. I like to do both the minis and then also making maps and stuff because then, and and, and I've done it a couple times recently because we've had people borrowing my stuff, like my opponent borrowing my stuff because they're getting, they're new into it. I can, like, put my army down and then, like, turn two or turn three, we've already got our stuff moved around. I can just, like, stop playing for a second, take a step back, and be like, I made that map. I made those minis. I made those minis. And I can just be like, this is my own little Star Wars diorama, and but it has practical use in a fun game. So, yeah, I I, I definitely like doing the hobby stuff. Yeah. Um, you, I was going to say, you've got, like, a 3D printer and stuff. Like, you could also, as at some point, if you decide to, you can you can start making your own map. And, yeah, that, I think that's a fun thing is, yeah, like you were saying, like, modding and stuff for digital games does kind of not allow you to make quite the same impact as you could on a tabletop game. And it's there's still a skill cap, but it's not necess- it's not quite as high at all. I because, think I'd yeah. call it, like, a skill ceiling. Because you, yeah. you, anyone, you know, you, you learn how to glue, which you taught me. You yep. learn how to paint, which you're going to teach me. Um, and then you can do that kind of to anything, even if they weren't meant to fit together, which is something that I think you really like to dive into. Oh yeah. Well, I just love to, I mean, that's just my own personality. I just have to stand out and be different from everybody else. You just showed me (laughs) a cut in half droid. (laughs) That's true. I did, I did just model Yoda last night and yeah, I'd had a B1. I'll, I'll eventually get some pictures up at some point when it's done, which won't take too long because Yoda's small. Um, that, We'll just be, yeah, he's Yoda, like, jumping through. I, I used a B1, and I assembled him, cut him in half, like, down the middle, and then split him in half open. So it's like Yoda's jumping through that. Like, he just got done chopping that droid in half. Um, So you've been playing on mostly table t- uh, mostly the actual tabletop. Um, yes. But you've had a couple games on TTS. What is your, like, pro-con view there like which one do you prefer and why well for my very specific situation playing in person is actually easier because i can just pick all the droids up and move them on tabletop simulator i gotta fiddle with the droids and you know make sure their bases aren't overlapping it takes so long it's so monotonous 
However, when I first got into it, you started me on Tabletop Simulator, and uh, I got to say it's very appealing. Mm-hmm. No, no upfront cost except for Tabletop Simulator, which get it because you can play every game on Earth on it. <laughs> yep. Um, not sponsored, right? Not sponsored. Not sp- not yet. <laughs> so we're working you know, out a water deal, and then we're working out a, and then we're working out Tabletop Simulator. Um, I, I really liked Tabletop Simulator because I think that's the ultimate way to get people into this and maybe even other hobbies. Because I, what are you going to say? Uh, you're already on Tabletop Simulator. Come play with me. What's the downside? Right. I have it all there. And I think you told me that they even get the new stuff in there before it's out physically, which is just crazy. Usually, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's the benefit there. But, you know, I don't think anything's going to be actually playing in person. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in a similar boat. I'm just like, man, if I if I had the option to play, like, I don't mind playing either way, but I'm like, if I have the option of playing uh, between tabletop and tabletop simulator, I'd, I'd rather play in real life. I feel like, Paul, you're the same way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool things about tabletop simulator, you know, like you guys have already talked about. But to me, man, nothing nothing beats being able to pick up a handful of dice and hearing that <laughs> before you throw them on the table, you know? Like, yep. the, I, you just, I just miss that so much on TTS. I, I'm fine with all the rest of it pretty much other than the, like, little wonky, like, moving your guys and, like, getting them into position. But the dice is the thing that I miss the most on TTS for sure. Just takes away from something. I will say my big pro on TTS is, like, usually you can get – like a tournament level table just up in in the click of a button. There's no, and this is coming from yeah me who has to like assemble every like table that we play with on Thursday or something. Like I'm just like, oh man, <laughs> this is gonna take like 30 minutes. I have to get there extra early just to like set stuff up so we have time. I will. Say yeah, the setup and teardown is awesome. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I was gonna say it's not me having to set that stuff up. So I actually. I prefer, uh, in, you know, on the actual table because you guys do all that effort of putting the table together and I get a unique new table to play on. That's Whereas true. Whereas with Tabletop yeah. Simulator, I've kind of seen them now, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, once you see the tables, you got to wait till they rotate them out and give new ones in. Um, you can make custom tables on Tabletop Simulator, but it's a lot more involved than, it's a lot more fiddly and involved than having to do it in person where you could just, pick the thing up and move it over there and you're like, okay, done where it's like, okay, I got to unlock this. I got to see if I can get this to mesh with this. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, fiddling around with stuff on tabletop simulator is a lot more difficult, but I, yeah, like I said, I love the cleanup and the tear down of that. My thing with Paul, like Paul was saying the dice thing, like that's the thing he misses from real games. Mine is not having like models that I painted. I'm just oh, like, right. oh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm moving my models around and I like colored them and whatever. And I'm like, that's as close as I get. But I'm like, during the game, my opponent's not going to be like, whoa, can I look Check at that? that can I look at that Wookiee that you painted there? Like, that's never going to happen in tabletop simulator. And I'm like, ah, but that's part of why I love painting. <laughs> so that's half the so everyone can see it. Yeah, right. So I can, so I can uh, play with the thing that I painted so I can be like, yay, that's mine. Um, yeah, so you haven't gotten to the painting steps yet, but, um, no. uh, other people have told you, and I've told you before, it's like CIS is one of the hardest models to, uh, assemble, but then the easiest model to, or the easiest army to paint. Which is good news for me because 
I'm not sure I'm looking forward to painting so much. I, I think I have a historical uh, curse when it comes to painting. Oh. But obviously it's a big part of the thing because people aren't just painting their models out there. I like seeing that people just customize their move tools, you know, everything. If it's if it comes gray, people paint it. And I think that's, that's just true. really cool. Even Paul. Paul's gray? <laughs> well, Paul paints his, stu- his stuff gray. Oh, I I Paul is painted himself. <laughs> like he goes in full cosplay to events. No, not quite. <laughs> not yet, not yet. I have. I have. You have. I have a few times. Yeah, I've I've gone in my Thrawn cosplay the first year that they did. Yeah, the first year they did Gen Con, I came in my in my Thrawn or the first or the second year I don't remember, but one of the years Gen Con I went in the Thrawn cosplay, and then this last year when we did demos, I did that as well. I didn't go with blue paint, obviously, but I I just wore Empire. No, I I walked up to my opponent and I'd be like, "So I'm dressed as Thrawn. Which army do you think I'm playing today?" And they'd be like. Empire, and I'm like, no, nobody plays the rebels better than Thrawn, so I'm playing rebels. <laughs> Agent Thrawn serving under Admiral Callus. Exactly. So the hobbying aspect, the painting aspect, is has been uh, not really included in your in your experience yet, but um, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll throw back to or throw forward rather to whenever you whenever you do get there, we'll see we'll see how you how you fared, but. Yeah, it should be, it shouldn't be like super bad right out the gate. At least being being near me because I can just give you all the paint that you need. But for other people, I've had like I've like I've said, I've been getting other people into the hobby like at the same time as you. And one of the guys, uh, Anthony, has been like telling me like, oh man, I have to go out and I have to get this paint and this. But like getting into painting on your own is quite the. Um, I mean, the hobby is the hobby is expensive. You'll always hear that. It's like you always have to put more money down for something, new models, uh, you know, something else. Um, paint is an, is one of the other big ones because you have to get all the colors that you need on your own. When if you don't have somebody to like borrow them from or anything like that, you have to get all those on your own. You have to get primer. You have to get paint. You have to get brushes, um, and it can be. And any other, any other, or glue, uh, any other materials that you need to like put the models together and paint them, like you're, you're basically on your own with all of those. And it can, and it can pile up. If you, especially if you have an army where you're like, oh man, I need all these colors. Um, CIS is pretty straightforward, thankfully, and they only have like three colors you need to paint a droid. (laughs) So what you're saying is if you're getting into the hobby, try to become a foundling for a guy who has a bunch of paint uh that's that would be nice if you have the option and you can do it that, that's great i would say do it but not everyone's going to have that opportunity unfortunately not to say that you should feel overwhelmed when you're starting paint if anything to me it just felt fun because i was like because i was just like all right i'm putting this model together i'm painting it and i was like oh i don't have this color well looks like i'm going to the store and i'm getting that color tomorrow and then you know i would just slowly amass an arsenal of paint and then i'd be like uh, now i've i've never had to be like i need this color i'm just like i have every color well not every color but i'm like i have access to any color i need so you don't feel the stress of playing god and being like oh gosh there's this terrible terrible birthmark on you now (laughs) and your hat's ruined and that's your hat so (laughs) oh just like if you mess stuff up yeah the the, the stress of being like 
okay, I'm bringing you to life now. This is your soul. Your paint is your soul, and now I'm f***ing it up. <laughs> Wait, That's can true. you press on this? Well, you just did, so there we go. Is this PG-13? <laughs> my um, baby ears. <laughs> my baby ears. No, it can definitely be uh, scary, like, painting sometimes, and this is, like, something that... And this depends on your level of how much you care about your model. If you're just looking to get them tabletop ready, you don't really care, like, that's fine. You can just slap paint on them and you'll feel fine, like, get the three color ready. get them, whatever. But, yeah, get them combat ready and you'll be good and you'll be like, all right, cool. But if you're, like, somebody who's, like, getting into the hobby and you really want all your pieces to look like a masterpiece or you want them to look really, really good, um, yeah, it can be it can be scary sometimes putting paint to models because you're like, oh, man, if I really mess this up, I have to go back and get, like, new ones or I have to strip the paint off these and I hope I don't mess up the model. And, yeah, it can be it can be scary sometimes, but, like, Really, you just have to be willing to make some mistakes and just say, hey, you know what, if, like, I did it with my Rebel, like, some of my Rebels, I painted some of them, and, like, the colors didn't turn out quite the way I liked them after I was done with them, and I went, hey, you know what, if I want to, if I want better painted Rebels, I should just get more Rebels, (laughs) and then paint those better, and, you know, have these, and then these guys are just a testament of time, you know, they, I still have all my first models that I painted, even though nowadays I think they kind of look a little trash, but I still have them because they're painted models and I painted them. Like, own own up your skill level of where you're at. As long as you're happy with it, and, and that's another thing I tell people, as long as you're happy with it, like, don't try to compare yourself to other people's. Like, don't be like, oh, that's beautiful. I, I need mine to look like that, or it's not acceptable. Like, don't do that. Like, be happy with what you are able to put out. So I got a question for you. Yeah. So obviously you go and you play the game Legion. But yep. you know, there's you're kind of making this whole picture here that half of the hobby is the hobbying stuff, the, the assembling, the building, the painting. Is there, you know, are there events or gatherings where people just go to show other models and have like a little pageant contest? Is that something Ooh. that happens in the hobby? Paul, should we start that? So that's not a thing that <laughs> Should we just start a show? Like, should we just start a, like an old car show, but for models? <laughs> that would be. Yeah, we should do that. An eye show. Just a model show. I mean, they, I mean, I think there's just like there's painting contests, obviously, and AMG slash. Uh, why am I blanking? Um, Fantasy Flight. Yeah, gosh. I kept wanting to say F and F, and I was like, no, it's not F and F. It's just FF. But what's FF? FF? Uh, yeah, Fantasy Flight, uh, back when they did their tournaments and stuff, they basically rolled their painting contest into their tournaments. That's cool. So while you were there, yeah, while you were playing, it'd be like at the end of round one, it'd be like, hey, when you're done, put all your models like in a pretty way so all the judges can walk around and check for painting, and then we'll announce the winners at the end. And they're like, that's okay, really cool. cool. Yeah, so there's a little bit of that to it as well. And they did those in the primes as well. Like I know Paul, do you have any of the any of the like painting contests, like uh medals or the little coins that they do? I do. I, I I got a third place once. <laughs> nice. And mine was my it was interesting because I don't like honestly I think that I probably paint to a maybe like good tabletop standard. Like That's what I say I do. I I would not say that I paint to, you know, like the display standard and and stuff, like showcase standard that other people can. Um, So what I try to do is, 
Yeah, I'm. Well, yeah, I I enjoy doing the hobby side, and so what I try to do, knowing that I'm not as good of a painter as other people that I've run into, is I try to do something either like unique with the theme, like the painting scheme that I'm using, or the theme on tying things in together that is going to be a little different and make people like look at it and do what, you know, Ben was talking about where when you're sitting down at the table to play, they're like, Oh man, let me see that Wookiee. Like that Wookiee looks awesome. Or like, you know, let me see that Luke. Let me see what you did with that. Um, one of the things I did with my uh, Luke that I was just playing around with and I'm sure other people have done it better, but um, I took little like, pins essentially that you can just get like at you know walmart or whatever in the like sewing area really really thin ones and i put them on the base in a way um and glued some like rocks to the top of them to where it looks like my luke skywalker is like lifting rocks around him with the force and so it you know the first time someone saw it they were like oh gosh that's cool what is that (laughs) like you know, just so I like to do stuff like that to make people um, like want to check out your stuff, like ask you how you did something or, and you know, just spark that conversation of like some cool hobby things you've seen or done or, you know, different techniques. And, you know, like like Ben said, you have models that you start with. I, I have my first models that I ever painted years ago. Um, I actually ran into them the other day, pulled them out, and I was like, oh, man. That was my first go. But then I was also like, you know what? That's not terrible for, like, your first yeah. model. Like, that was pretty good. Yeah. Do you guys still play your first models? Or are they kind of just they look back at them? My Rebel Troopers that you see, like, every game, those are, like, some of my first models I ever painted. You keep like, them in the spin. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. they, they're they're there. Yeah, minor minor Lord of the Rings models. That was the first tabletop game I had ever played, and minor little goblin warriors from that. And I pulled them out, and I was like, you know what? This isn't bad. <laughs> like, I, I would play with these still. And there's some things that I tried on some of my first models that I had seen other people do that I don't even really do. Like, I have eyes on those goblins that I don't even Ooh. like really try to do eyes most of the time because I'm like, that's an advanced technique that I am not great at. I'm currently trying to get myself back up to, like, you know what? You need to paint eyes on your humans again. Like, I used (laughs) to not do it. I used to basically just shade them over. Well, the models used to not be, like, quite as detailed enough to really get eyes in there. They kind of just had a socket. But now they're actually, like, they're to, like, with the hard plastic and the funding that they've had and everything that they've, that they've had time to sit down and really model, everyone has, like, modeled on eyes now. So I'm like, oh, man, I feel like, I feel like I really need to apply myself and get to painting mm-hmm. eyes because they can look really good. Um, but, yeah, like, Paul and I are both painters where we were like, we feel like we can do a good tabletop standard, but we don't. We don't feel like we're winning any golden demons anytime soon. No, um, definitely not. But uh, there are there are plenty of people who go to events though just for those painting competitions though. Yeah. So I was going to say to circle back around to your question, Caleb. There's there's like painting contests specifically, but then there's like included in painting event prizes and stuff like in some tournaments, especially like specifically for Legion. Um. Yeah, because I also have one of those third-place tokens that I won at one of the primes. Um, 
there's supposed to be like, I don't know a whole lot about it because I've only played so much of it, but apparently there's like some hobby stuff that they've included in um, Marvel Crisis Protocol uh, organized play kits. I don't know that much about them, but I know that there's like stuff that they've included. And that's not even at a big tournament level. That's just at a store level that they include like some hobby stuff for you to be like, oh, yeah, and... You know, oh, you brought this model painted like this. That's awesome. Here's this, you know, stuff like that, just to encourage more of the more of the hobby. And I think back when we were moving over to AMG uh, and Bob and I were talking about that on the podcast, I remember that being something that we brought up like, wow, I want to see more um, hobby uh, celebrated, not not mandatory, but like I want to see the people that like to do that kind of stuff like celebrated more um, because I think it's cool. There was a there was a long answer to your question there. It was a it was a very yes or no question. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking out I'm taking out my notepad. Just <laughs> sound. Hmm. I mean, I will say that's one of the things that I mean they kind of went away from it for a little while. The like painting side of things, right? Yeah. But the new I, I know that we're going to talk about this maybe here in a little bit. So spoilers, but um, the new kit has those back in there now. Has those coins, the painting coins back in there for Adepticon, right? Oh, yeah, for Adepticon, yeah. I thought you meant for the new organized play kit. I was like, no, I don't no, think no, those no. are in there. No, they're in Adepticon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, the, like, they are bringing some of that back. So that's that's good, because yeah, I think I'm, that there are some people who like to participate in that just as much as the game itself, so. Yeah. They're like, I'm just going to sign up, I'm going to bring my best painted army, and then I'm just going to throw all my games so I can win first place at the painting competition <laughs> aspect. <laughs> No, I don't know anyone who's done that, but uh, maybe, maybe people do that. But imagine so, walking in as a, like a person who's there to win, and you just go through all these, you just start wiping tables left and right. You'd feel so good. Exactly. Then you're just like, wow, I can't believe it. That's kind of how I felt at the event that I won. I was just like, oh my gosh. I Everyone was up. there to paint. <laughs> Everyone was there to paint. No, I just, I walked up and I went, oh my gosh, I'm just wiping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, that I was gonna say that day was a lot different. Uh me go. I do that sometimes at the skirmish, like some of the skirmish days. I'm just like, wow, this is just I'm just going. When do I stop? Um. Anyway, the thing I was gonna ask you, uh, speaking of events and stuff, was that uh, you've actually done your first like formal kind of event. Like we have a Thursday night legion where you just come up, show up, and you know whoever shows up plays, and you know you play one game, and then that's all we have time for, and then we go home. But um, you went with us last month to the actual like Muncie event where you play like two or three games, like depending on what game mode we're doing that day. So you've actually like had a little look into what like an event is actually like, like a bigger event. Yeah. Um, you've actually you, you've seen. The in between now, you've seen like the the formal monthly event that's now the uh, the in between of a of a of a weekly gathering and a bigger tournament. So how was oh, that? Like, what did you think of that? What a day! What a day! What a gauntlet! Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that was like, you know, if I'm I say I want to say a real game is a game I played with somebody other than you, just because. Yeah, a lot that's of the fine. games that's that we fine. play together is just uh, it's a lot of me asking questions uh, and really probing and not really getting on with the game. So I'd say that was like my first three real games, um, <laughs> kind of. And 
it was uh, three losses, three incomplete games because I'm taking my slow time um, <laughs> and undoing a lot of things and forgetting to do my aggressive tactics and roll off my uh, suppression and a lot of rookie stuff. Uh, but it was fun. It was fun. It was really fun to meet all these players and to see how they play and to actually, you know, feel immersed in kind of the, the Legion community. And it was just a new experience for me. But a lot of learning, definitely some headache. <laughs> um, but overall, very fun, very enjoyable. And, you know, a lot of the lessons that you were teaching me along the way, they they started to click there. It wasn't until there I was like, uh, what's he mean? People are going to try to you know, do this thing on me. I'm like, oh, these people are doing this thing on me. That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, I actually referenced you in the last episode, uh, Caleb, talking about, like, we, we were te- talking about, like, teaching people how to play Legion and, like, what, uh, like, new players, uh, how to bring them in and, like, how to play style with them. And I was just like, you might once in a while get, like, a rare person who just wants to learn like Caleb does, where he just is like, go ahead and just, like, punch me right in my face. Just like, go ahead, right here. And then it's just like, all right, well, I'm I'm going to do this thing on you. And then, boom, I did it to you, and, and you you lost. Or like, oh, you, you just got decimated or something happened really bad there that I wouldn't normally do to somebody if I just wanted them to have fun, because that's not fun. And then he's like, all right, well, now I know what it looks like. And now I'm and now I'm ready for it. Now I know if now I know if you put your fist like that again, I'm I'm gonna dodge it. Like I I, I know what it looks like now in a real situation. And I, I, no, I do that not to learn quicker. I think it's more driven by it's I'm all about that mental kind exper- of combat that I'm doing with the opponent. Yeah, and that I I actually enjoy genuinely losing more than I do getting a a pity win or a learner's win. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's that actual really, you know, that real struggle that I think is then positive for me, no matter what I'm playing. Just the, you know, I, I'd rather get my ass kicked, but have it be authentic and be like, okay, you know, when I thought we were toe-to-toe for a second and I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, that's real light that I saw. Yeah. Maybe I makes- can't reach that yet, but. Having the authentic, uh, having the authentic battle and do, you're basically doing the, this, I don't want to say the struggle and the learning on your own, but you are having like, you're doing your own learning internally when you're playing against like real people as opposed to having somebody like handhold you a little bit and be like, oh, you know, you're going to do that or here, here's this and I'm going to set this situation up for you. And that's just kind of like, supposed to be like fun and whatnot but like for you it's like i'd rather like actually just do the struggle and then get better like with me internally remembering what happened what i did in that scenario that actually happened not that was set up for me does that make sense like something like that yeah well i guess there's also the aspect of if i'm always finding somebody who's playing their baby hands then when i get my first victory I'm like, yeah, I can beat baby hands. And they're like, okay, intermediate hands. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the part where I've talked about people learn faster. Because then it's like, this is what real hands looks like. This isn't baby hands. This is what real hands looks like. So if you, so when you're ready for this, then you're ready for the real thing. 
Right. I actually, when you were doing, so the last event we went to, you were telling me all about your sneaky Han tactics and all of his Han cards and how they're real backstabby um, and disruptive. Kind of, kind of like, yeah, kind of put salt in the wound and get under people's skin. And I was yep. like, ooh, this sounds real dirty. How could you do this <laughs> to somebody? And then you play, you bring out Han in the last tabletop simulator game, and I was actually really excited. I was like, yeah, he's going to do these dirty tactics on me. I can't wait. I was already in that mental mind game that I'm all about. And I was like, okay, okay. I know, I know that he's going to try, he's predicting right now, when am I going to play this card? When am I going to play this card? How can I utilize, you know, my, I forget what it's called, the distraction run where you, I have to shoot one of your guys. Oh, uh, uh, oh wow. Why am I, why am I blinking? It's because we're recording. Um, yeah. <laughs> Paul, Hans Tupip, do you know it? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I just <laughs> I have to put like, the stress on me. someone don't else. Don't ask me. <laughs> it's uh, like, reckless uh, Diversion. Reckless yes. Diversion, thanks. So Reckless Diversion, um, I was like, okay, I gotta make sure I'm always ready for Reckless Diversion because it's coming. Um, and same thing for the, the replace your card thing. And I was like, okay, these dirty tactics are actually going to get used against me, especially if we do a full game, which we didn't. But, you know, they're coming out. Yeah. And I was excited to have some real dirty tactics used on me just because, you know, it's all about that that mind game for me. Yeah, I was going to say, once you – that's something that, like, it's kind of a struggle for new players to come in sometimes when they play against a new character that they've never played against or a new commander – because they don't know all of the commander's cards, like the command cards, and those are big during the game because those can those can really like for the example of Han, those can really disrupt you if you don't know what Han can do. Like you don't even know that Han can send your command card back to your hand one turn. You don't know that Han can force you to shoot at somebody else instead of these units for a turn. Like you know, that's big no. game stuff. Now that I think about it, the game before that that we played on Tabletop Simulator, you're using Callus against me. You're really shoving my face in the mud with these tricks. <laughs> and yeah, I was gonna say there there are turns where these characters, all of them have like one big flashy card, at least one big flashy card that really can, you know, mess your opponent up if they don't know that it's coming. So it's kind of hard for some people to get into the game, like as far as like getting early wins and stuff because they don't know what all the characters do. So like I sometimes, yeah, I usually feel bad when I play against somebody and they're just like, Oh wow. Like Han, I've never seen him before. Like I've never played against him before. And I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> I'm like, do, do you want to read his card? Like I'm, I'm trying to help. Cause I'm just like, Oh man, these command cards though. Like I try to tell people like, ah, he's really disruptive. Like you got to be on your toes when you play against Han or something like that. Like, uh, you just have to like, cause yeah, as, as we, me and Paul have been playing the game since it came out, you know, it's easier to learn that stuff, like the command cards of heroes and keywords and stuff like that, because we learned them as they were getting added. So we had plenty of time. We had mo like a month or two to learn everything that was out and then they would introduce new stuff and you only had like two or three keywords mm. and two or three cards to learn after that because it was like, oh, well, this is the only new stuff. So, um, yeah, have you been like, I, I've heard this a lot, but have you just been like completely overwhelmed with how many different keywords and how many different units there are to, to know like, oh, this unit kind of does this thing and this one does this thing and oh, what do your stuff do, you know? 
I, Has that been I, overwhelming? At first, and maybe still a little. Um, but when I first started, I was like, okay, like, there's so much, there's, what's a keyword? Where do I put it? Uh, <laughs> and I was just very confused. But, you know, I was like, okay, let me just focus on my list. I'm not changing my list up anytime soon. Um, I'm just going to run it and get good at it and remember the stuff that I need to remember. So naturally, I still forget to roll off all my suppression because I'm running the CIS. Yep. Um, just because I'm like, eh, that doesn't matter. I don't need to care, but I do. Um, but then on the other hand, learning my opponent's stuff has been a blessing and a curse because unfortunately, I keep getting opponents who play the Republic <laughs> just nonstop every game. All, it's just thematic. It's not well. It's thematic, so I I don't feel too bad. But they do melt my droids. Uh, so I've kind of got to learn some of their tricks just because, you know, it's you play hard, to, Republic, it's hard so. to forget when you're doing it every, every, right. <laughs> it's like, it's hard to forget that you have these, uh, these tricky things. Now it's hard I've to only, forget you can share tokens and do fire support. Yeah. It's like, okay. And then I saw Josh was using Yoda in such a like aim dodge generating way or whatever he was doing. And so I'm like, okay, okay, I, I'm seeing how these guys are played. Now, when I have to go against these other factions, it'll be back to ground zero, and it's just going to take some time. But I don't know if it's holding me back in a frustrating way. It's just something that comes with getting some games under my belt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Yeah, because back in the day, there was, you know, there was just the two factions, and they weren't necessarily that different except as far as, like, thematically kind of what they did you know rebels were very like rebels were all about like dodge tokens and and being squirrely and and running and like get grabbing objectives and running away and stuff and the empire was kind of all about uh suppression like they would they would pile on suppression tokens and i still feel like that's kind of their thing yeah i mean yeah that's definitely where they started for sure like the suppression and there's more I feel like they have more weapons that have that keyword on them, right, than lots of others. I also feel like the Empire is, maybe they're working towards the, like, feeling the identity of just being, like, that oppressive force. You know, especially with their big toys, like the ATST and the tank. And yep. then they have a lat. Like, all, they have all these big heavies, too, that are just scary, right? Like, when you face them, you're like, okay, gosh, I have to deal with this huge thing, which feels very Empire to me. Yeah. Just the oppressive kind of faction. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, like, learning all the different opponents and stuff, even if you keep your list the same, like you said you are, in, in, a, in a way to you know, keep it simple and be able to learn the units that you're playing uh, faster and, and, and know them better uh, because you're just playing nothing but them. So you're not trying to learn new stuff on your side. Yeah, there is still a little bit of like, oh, I still have to learn whatever my opponent's doing uh, at the same time. But I, yeah, I think you're going about it in a good way. Um, so you've been playing at the skirmish level pretty much exclusively because yes. you're because, yeah, to keep it simpler. And I'm also, actually really comfortable on that level right now. Yeah, and I and I think that's a really good level to. And that's all we've really been playing at the store uh, with all the new guys that I've been getting in. We've been exclusively staying on skirmish, except last week where Anthony wanted to play an 800 point game, and I and and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do whatever you want to do. So if you want to do the full game, let's do it. 
Um, so we did that. But otherwise, I saw that going down. Yeah, and I and I thought to myself, I was like, "There's too much on that palette for me to keep track of." Like, <laughs> I can't. There's, there's almost twice as many points on the board. There's um, a lot going on. It looks very confusing. Yeah, I was gonna say it's in some in some cases the full game is a uh, skirmish, like two times the skirmish, and then in some aspects it's like skirmish and a half. But yeah, you know, there's still only one objective to play, right? Right. Um, but yeah, so I'd say like skirmish is a really good way to keep keep everything simple and be able to play sk- just pretty much stay at skirmish as far as like learning the game goes because a you need less models so you're not gonna have to you don't have to buy a whole 800 point army just to play your first games um, but also b it has lesser keywords and there's lesser things to memorize and keep track of. So yeah, it does allow for that learning experience to be a little easier, I think. And that that's kind of what you were telling me anyway, but you have, so you've been doing exclusively skirmish. Do you want to uh, share not word for word, but do you want to share like what your list has been that you've been playing, like that you've been learning the game with and that you've grown accustomed to? Uh, yeah, not word for word. The best way to put it is the way you've been putting it is uh, droid spam. <laughs> and just fact, as many bodies as possible. Yeah, just as many physical models and activations as I can possibly fit on the field. And I enjoy that. I think that really affords me the opportunity to focus on the core aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so just running a generic commander and getting a bunch of extra droids in there, it really allows me to focus on, you know, how to win with these units. And if I can win with these basic multiple droids, then what can I do if I have somebody out there who's got a bunch of tricks up their sleeve and who can really sink some damage before they get wiped off the table? Exactly. Yeah, like one day you're going to upgrade from the T-Series to the to the super tactical droid, and he has his own command cards. So then that'll be – that's your uh, – then you'll have a character more or less because he'll have his own command cards that allow him to do some tricks and stuff. So I was going to say for anyone who wants to know what this list is, first off, just, I want, I want to let you know, you could probably throw like one or two things in here if you had to, but uh, this list does come out to only 482, which you don't need a bid in skirmish necessarily, unless there's a reason to bid in skirmish, which I don't really know. Not anymore. Now that, like, red player chooses table edge and stuff, it's like, in skirmish, it's kind of like, yeah, you really don't need to bid. There's no, there's no real drive to bid, because it's, until they add a, uh, uh, like, more skirmish cards to build a battle deck, then, then you have a reason to take, to take a blue player. But it's a T-series tactical droid, because that is, I wanna, I wanna guess that that's your favorite model in the game, Caleb. Am That's right? actually the reason why I selected him. There was no tactical reason, and maybe I've associated one to it now, but that's all <laughs> pure after the fact. I just like Mr. Bellbottoms. Very <laughs> cool. I like, uh, you know, I I loved watching him in the Clone Wars, and I'm like, I want uh, that. a regular old T-Series dork on the field. <laughs> that's and, uh, that's yeah. the energy I want to play with. I, and I love that you can do that in Legion is you can get what you like out of Star, excuse me, what you like out of Star Wars and make that your list. That's something I've always really liked is that you can take whatever Legion has to offer and be like, oh, well, I love Cad Bane. And you can make a list that's like completely centered around Cad Bane or it's like, oh, I love 
the tanks. I love AATs. It's like, you can make that your list. You can make a list that makes that shine. And I think that's really awesome. So, like, so that was you with the T-Series. So we have the T-Series Tactical Droid with Aggressive Tactics and uh, Electro Binoculars. Then there's three squads of Battle Droids, B-1 Battle Droids, that have the E-5C and an extra body. There's one squad of Battle Droids that have the E-60R rocket launcher, the extra body, and HQ uplink. And then there's two droidicas with link targeting array. So that's a seven activation droid list. I don't know if I told you about that list, Paul, like what Kale's been running. How would you feel just no. coming up to a T-series, four squads of droids with uh, arm to the teeth and uh, two droidicas with link targeting array? It's gross. Uh, at 500 <laughs> points, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so many bodies to cut through. I mean, that's the thing with droids is they, there's just so many of them. And I actually find it really interesting that that's kind of where you've settled is at the like, other than the T series, right? That's the beginning of droids. That's what everybody had to just play with when they came out was just a bunch of B1s. Oh yeah. And, and, and destroyers. Yeah. And yep. it, and it's interesting because that's what, I mean, if you go back to, you know, Ben and I have been around since the beginning. That's World essentially Man. what we played with Empire slash Rebels when they first came out. Is mm-hmm. just, you know, we had our Luke or Vader was our only commander. And then, you know, there's Veers and Leia shortly there. <laughs> um, and then just a bunch of core, the basic core troops and a couple of supports. And, like, that's what we learned on. And then you slowly add things from there. So I, fu- I found that interesting that that's what you described as where your starting point is, too. Let me get the basic units down, and then as I go, then I can change up or add or whatever I want to do to play around with some other ideas, which I think is is a good place to start for Legion, and that's probably a good place for a new player just to be, is just take your core units and... Box. Yeah, I mean, like, take your basic units, some, you know, some basic troopers, some basic support units, a basic commander, whether it could be a named one, too. You know, it could be a Leia or a Veers or even a Luke or Vader or, like you said, throw Cat in there, you know, but just take some basic units. You have maybe one or two pieces that stand out as a little bit different and then just get familiar with those. And then as you decide that you like certain things over others, you play with it, right? Like maybe you change the upgrades on your B1s, like to put some of those snipers in there instead of the the basic, you know, gun that they have. Or maybe right. you put some medics in there and see how you like that. And, you know, so you just kind of like change it up. And that's kind of how people who've been playing since the beginning had to learn by force, right? Is <laughs> right, that because they're slowly introduced. Yeah. yeah, and then we just played around with it. How does this fit in where you know, where this spot was in my list or what do I do when I you know have to add this unit in? But I do like the five hundred point list. I think it's good to a good place to start because like you said, there's just not quite as much on the table to keep track of. And so for a newer player, yeah, definitely being at five hundred points. And then also too in the grand scheme of things, Legion can be a long game, right? I mean, like two, two and a half hour game on the table for 800 points. And if you, and Legion is one of those games too, where you can just be at a really big deficit 
just by deploying your models on the table. Yeah. Or even after the first turn, if it goes your way, doesn't go your way on that first round. Um, so that 500 point game is nice, right? Cause you get to learn some things and then you get to reset much quicker and then go into the next game and take some of those things that you've learned and, and move on and apply those and get to meet new people, see new things, <laughs> uh, exactly. learn the, learn the hard way as we've talked about a little bit here. You know, sometimes you're like, Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's going to hurt. <laughs> as you, as you say that the kind of, you know, Oh no, round one. And now I know I'm just going to spend the remaining rounds losing, uh, because of something I just did. Uh, I've actually already experienced that even a little bit in skirmish. So I can only imagine it's compounded in like a full, full on 800 point list where you make a, you make a bad decision right off the bat. And then you're like, well, time to see what I can enjoy in this losing game. Yeah. <laughs> like the, yeah. The, it, it's it, written. Yeah, if it's you like, make a deployment error in an 800-point game and your opponent can bring, like, their entire army to bear on, like, a quarter of your army, it feels real bad after a turn when you're like, well, I'm just fighting this uphill slaughter fest here for the rest of the game. Let me know how this book that you're writing for three hours goes. Yeah. <laughs> I had this happen to me in one skirmish where the opponent I was playing with did the... um I think it's like a reinforcements card. They had uh CIS list as well. And they ended up positioning Cad Bane in the most scary of spots and just kind of ate my army. Yeah, and then like how do you how do you come back from it? You you have right. you have the moment where you sit and you go, Man, how do I come back from this? Because they have the advantage of like placing like I can't remember for sure, like three activations after I got done placing all of mine. Oh, that might have been. Oh, yeah, the super tactical droid. The he has a um, reinforcements is like a keyword or something. Yeah, the reinforcements. Yep. So he gets to wait and then like react to whatever I just did. Yeah, and so then like, you what have do to I do? put the rest of your army down, and then he gets to put that stuff down. So yeah, that yeah that can be scary sometimes in deployment. Um, I was gonna say so a fun little thing, uh, Paul. The list that I told you about that he was running. What if I told you that I found a way to do an eight activation droid list in skirmish? What would you think of that? Yeah, I mean, once you're once you get up to those like seven activation range, that's already so many activations, and there's not very many lists that can get up there with droids. And again, with so many bodies, it's just it's so much to chew through. Even even if you roll well, lots of units are not wiping an entire B1 squad in one shot. Unless they're fire supporting. Yeah, and but then again, it, that's multiple units having to work together just to get rid of one squad of crappy battle droids. Like 50-point like, droids, yeah. Right, like, so it's like, it doesn't feel good like shooting at them doesn't feel good because you just can't get them off the table even if they just die right they die in droves but it's just like man i can't get through these like 80 bodies on the table so yeah droids are one of those that's really um i feel like it's an uphill battle like every time i face them just because there's so many of them on the board it's like i'm already outnumbered two to one what do i do 
Yeah, so I found a way to 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 take his list up. So we've we've made Droid Overload V two that he that that Caleb's playing around with to see if he likes it better. So like this was the natural progression of the next step once he felt like you know you learned your list now you can start to interchange some units and see do I like this better do I like this worse um like do I like this worse I do I not like this <laughs> do I like this I guess worse? Be, do I like this worse I'm gonna Does start this using hurt so that. good I'm like oh wow I actually like that a lot worse <laughs> I'll just start saying that so we have Droid Droid Overload V2 which is properly 500 point list um. With the T-Series Tactical Droid, not the Super Tac, but just the regular one, uh, with aggressive tactics. Uh, three battle droids with just the E-5C. One battle droid with the E-60 Rocket Launcher and the HQ Uplink. And then instead of two droidicas, we have two dwarf spider droids with attack protocols and nose-mounted laser cannons. And then a BX droid strike team with the Sniper and Hunter. So... That's a uh, that's a 500 point list that we've that we've cooked up that Caleb's gonna experiment with to see if he likes it, and uh, we played one game with it already, but um, yeah, it, it, it's like you gotta experiment around with this, and then you know, once you get enough uses out of it, you can be like, okay, this upgrade hasn't come in handy, or I don't like this unit, so I'm gonna take it out and I'm gonna put in something else and see if that fills the slot better uh, and plays better to my own playstyle. So, yeah, Caleb's mostly just been experimenting around with his, like, play style and what upgrades and what units really cater to how he plays. That's always fun to try and make a new list, like, and and make it cater to you rather than you have to cater to it. Yeah, I still have to figure out what I'm what I'm trying to make cater to me, though. It's like, what is my style? I don't know. Yeah, Do I, I was going to style s- at all. <laughs> I was going to say that's also a process, just trying to figure out, like, how do I play this game compared to other people? Like right where now, I... I'm fairly bumbling around just trying to follow the rules and not get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, once you, once you figure it out, you're like, oh, you know what? I do like to play this kind of style. Like I found that I like to play the Rebel faction just because I like to squeak out with the win on technicality because yeah, the Rebels. Yeah, I know. It's like the rebels are, and the rebels are. I I feel like the best faction to do that. I feel like if you're gonna play the objective, like you, most of the time, rebels are your faction for that because it's like, uh, not so much with like payload necessarily because that's more payload. I feel like is a is an objective that that caters more to the Clone Wars factions because they like to ball up and and stick together. So I feel like payload is like a Republic or a CIS more, uh army or uh objective but some of the stuff like recover the supplies like and key positions and stuff sometimes like the rebels just love to do that because they can just hang on with all they need is one body doing this one objective and they can get guns down to the man but as long as that one last man lives and he's playing the objective the day is won. you know i think i saw you doing that to that poor guy last thursday because i heard him we were playing next to each other, and I heard him like, yeah, I'm getting so many solid hits on you. And he felt really uh-huh. good up until he had a tally up the points. Yeah, and then I was going to say, that was the Recover the Supplies game, and the game ended 4-1. Because, yeah, he was he was gunning a lot of my dudes down, but then, like, once he gunned most of them down, he would leave them alone. And then those guys would run over unopposed and just go grab objectives and run away. And then they would just and then they'd run off. 
And he, I was going to say, mostly with, mostly with, uh, that game, there was also kind of a mistake of that he was kind of moving on later, which is that he spreads his clones out a little too far because then they can't share tokens. But he's definitely, over the progression I've watched him play these games, I've watched him get better and better with like, keeping the clones in a better formation so that they're sharing, they can share their tokens a lot better. And it's really cool to watch, like, somebody, like, start to be like, oh, you know what, I learned this lesson the hard way, now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna remember it. Or, oh, I've done this enough times, now I know that I need to do this. Like, you do that with the, kind of the same thing. Droids just do it with order control. Like, oh, I don't want to get burned on AI, I need to remember to keep these guys, uh, range one apart from each other at least, then I can daisy chain all those orders together. All right. Well, I was going to say, do you, do you have any other questions, uh, either of you, I should say, uh, before we uh, just move on to uh, our fun little bonus topic today? No, nothing take... for me. I was just going to say, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the, the new kit. Yep. So we've got a new, we've got a new fun uh, unexpected, uh, Legion announcement that was for, uh, well, two technically, uh, for Adeptic, that are both centered around Adepticon. Um, so, Paul, you're actually going to Adepticon, but you're not playing Legion, unfortunately, but that's okay. We still love you. But, you saw that, uh, Adepticon's going to have some new, uh, prize support. And they're gonna actually give away a world's invite, which is the first time that AMG's done this as a company. Uh, because we've been in a pandemic ever since they took over. So we haven't had worlds or invites or anything like that going around. So this is exciting to know that they're giving all, all this prize support. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was, it was good to see that they have stuff coming out. I know that, um, a lot of people were wondering for a while, like, what's gonna happen? What it's gonna look like? Is there going to be support? Is this just going to be run by the people who are at Adepticon? I mean, and I think lots of events have been this way for a little bit too. Not, not quite sure where different, I mean, cause different states are in different places because of the pandemic and all of that. And so it, it's, there's been a lot of things up in the air. So it's been cool recently to see, um, them putting some, some support into, into things and, um, I'm really excited to finally see they they talked about since they kind of switched over, right, that they were going to be doing stuff with organized play or that yes. was the whole intention for a long time. And we haven't heard a whole lot. And so now all of a sudden, recently, we've we've seen a couple of things that they're doing, you know, with the, the prize support, like you talked about um, and World's Invite at Adepticon. And then also this, this new kit, this organized play kit that's coming out. Um at Adepticon or being announced at Adepticon. And so, so it's good to see that because I think a lot of people have been just kind of like waiting, like, Hey, we need something to, to spice things up a little bit. We can only play so many games. Right. <laughs> um, w- without something new to, to mess around with. And, uh, you know, that kit coming with a new scenario. That's going to be awesome. Looks I'm really like, excited yeah. for it. Yeah, I'm really um, excited to see what they come out with and and how it plays and all that. So yeah. So so the Adepticon prize support stuff that they've announced so far has been I don't know if there's more, but they announced like a bunch of alt art cards, and then and those are just going to be for signing up or maybe doing well enough you get more of them or something. Um, but then there's also uh the big the 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 Legion dice that big like D8 
the Star Wars Legion die. That's the pro- the number one, the, the trophy, basically, for first place. And then there's some coins that look very similar, if not I- completely identical, to the uh, painting competition coins that uh, Fantasy Flight used to give out. So I'm... And, and what I wanted to say, so that, sorry, I'm, I'm bending it up right now. Um, there's Padme, there's Cad Bane, there's Rebel Troopers, there's stuff that they haven't done alt art cards for before in this style. And I say this style, referencing Fantasy Flight's style of their, like, last days of doing alt art cards, like some of their stuff. What I want to, what I want to commend AMG on is that all of this stuff looks exactly the same or in the same style to Fantasy Flight's alt art stuff and their prize support stuff. And I actually liked that because I was kind of afraid that when AMG took over, they were going to be like, all right, here's our alt art cards and they're going to look like wildly different from Fantasy Flight's. And I was like, oh man, now I got to get a whole nother kind of card. You know what I mean? But like, this is kind of that, like that same series like, they have the red and the blue, like, they get different color factions, and they just have, like, the, I call it the anime battle lines or something, like, flat, like, going in the background or something, and then they have the original art still on there, just kind of, like, cut out. And I have the Leia, or not the Leia, I have the Jin and the Sabine ones, and I was always like, oh, man, one day they'll come back and they'll do Leia, and then they moved companies, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not gonna have a Leia to go with that. I'm like, oh, no. And then... These got announced, and then these all look like the exact same style. And maybe some people don't like the style, and that's too bad. Like, that isn't as good for them. But, like, for me, I was like, oh, thank God. I can keep collecting, like, this kind of, like, series, essentially, what they're doing. And then the coins look the same, like, for the painting contest. And I was like, you know, this feels good. Yeah, I, I, I like that it's, like you talked about, I like that it's not completely different. Like something just completely off the wall different from what was going on before. I mean, eventually, right, they could. They could change it oh, up sure. and, and, and have like a new series of stuff. But yeah, I, I like that it, it's similar. You're going to see, you know, if you if you have a coin from last time, you know, for painting, let's say, and you get a coin this time for painting, like it's not going to be like, are these from two different games? Like, what's going on here? Like, you're going to know. Like, these are these are from Legion. <laughs> and it, to me, it just feels like, it feels like home, you know? Like, it feels familiar. Like, the events we used to have. Like, this feels like the continuation of the events we used to have. There's a big D8 trophy, like, that Fantasy Flight used to have. Like, they're still doing that. Like, so it just, to me, it, I think it was a good move as well, because then it feels familiar, like it feels like what we used to have that we haven't had for years, and it feels like feels like coming home. Yeah, even though I'm not and, playing it, <laughs> and still doing the still doing the invites and things like that, and not like completely just well, that was that was Fantasy Flight. We're not doing that, and we're just going to cut it all off. Yeah, um, you know, all that kind of ties in, and I yeah, I think that was a, a good move to not just alienate the, <laughs> um, like where it came from and all of that. And, yep. Yeah. Yes. No, it's it's good. Um, I I didn't play, or I'm not playing in Adepticon here coming up. Um, part of it, it was just the didn't know what was going on. Right. wasn't wasn't really sure what kind of events they were going to be, and um, the other thing is like lots of times those 
events can be uh, very long or multiple days. And so if you want to do a lot of different stuff, if you're a person like me who plays a ton of different games now, I like to be able to have time to check other games out or, you know, play one game this day, play another game this day. Um, yeah. and, and not knowing what tournaments look like. Um, if you're playing in a two day, like Legion tournament or even a one day Legion tournament, man, those, those days can be long and really just knock it out of you and make That's it your so whole you day. Don't, it will, yeah. And, and really it can bleed over into other days because you're so exhausted from, you know, such a long day. Right. Um, so bottom, bottom line, I want to, I want to pass out to everybody that's going to Adepticon is, uh, have a great time, have a dice time, uh, playing in the Legion tournament and, uh, all those alt art cards that you, uh, don't want, uh, I'll just go ahead and pay you for them. All right. Moving on. Um, the other thing that they announced, uh, recently was the, uh, organized play kit that is coming out. So that, is called unnatural resources. So it is a new kit that stores will be able, that retailers will be able to buy. This is not a battlefield expansion or anything like that. This is not like a player bought thing. You don't buy this off the shelf at your store. This is kind of like the skirmish league and some of the kits that they used to have back in the day. This is going to the stores buy this for them. Um, and then they, they can host events with those, with those kits. So it, Unnatural Resources is going to have a new scenario, and I believe it comes with multiple copies of all of these things so that uh, players can play this on their own uh, if they show up and they want to get this stuff. So uh, its own scenario, which I believe is just called, yeah, is just called Unnatural Resources. Um, it comes with, like, these gas vent tokens, a token for a roaming Dianaga, and then some alt art force push cards, which look really sick. I love the way that they look. Um, and it's going to be a new game mode uh, that you're going to be able to play at your store. So basically what will happen is you'll go to, like, your store will get this. It'll be like, hey, we're going to do this Star Wars Legion event uh, on Saturday of this month or of next week. And then you'll show up and then uh, maybe there's like a $5 sign up or something to help like offset the price of the kit. And then uh, you just you guys play this different scenario that you've not played before because it's all new and it looks really fun. I was reading through the cards earlier, like how to do setup and everything and what the objective is. And it looks like advanced positions as the deployment. Then there's uh, seven gas vent tokens out on the table that are prearranged. And then one of the players gets to place the Dianaga down and it moves like every turn, depending on like what's going on and who's winning and what's going on with the objective. And then like every time someone moves within range of it, like it just whips its tentacles out and it gets to try and uh, take some of your dudes out. And you're meanwhile trying to claim ownership over these gas vents because those are what your points are. So those look that looks like a really fun thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, everyone knows that I'm a big, uh, I'm big into the scenario play. I love the narrative stuff. Um, I love bringing the story to Star Wars Legion and doing, like, doing stuff with that. So I'm not super competitive where it's like, I like to do the off the wall stuff. Like, I like to do the fun new stuff to, me to mix stuff up. When they did, uh, hunting, 
hunting season. I actually haven't done hunting season yet. Um, and then the unconventional warfare, those events, like all that kind of stuff is super fun. And I love to encourage people to go out and do that kind of stuff. I was just going to say, I'm really interested to see like what, what that scenario is like. I, I'm excited to have something new. Um, just like, just a plan you know, I remember the event that we had in Muncie that, you know, did the unconventional warfare and just like how much fun some of that stuff was to just play and have silly lists that you can't normally run. And it just gave, you know, some, some new life, <laughs> um, to the <laughs> game. And we, we had such a good time with that at that event. So I'm excited to, to see some more of that with a, you know, a new scenario and things like that. And, you know, organizing that within a play kit. So that way people, you know, are getting that opportunity to play something a little bit different and it doesn't always have to be this game that, you know, whoever smashes you the hardest (laughs) will always win and it adds something different to it and just changes the way the game is played. I I like all the stuff like that. Um, The more variety we get, the better it's going to be for the different kinds of people that you have playing the game just to change it up enough so people get a break from the the same old grind that they they do if they're practicing for something yeah no i'm i'm really excited i'm i'm really interested to see what um some of the communities come up with with like events and things like that but you caleb any thoughts on uh unnatural resources i know the rest of the games to you still feels like yeah yeah. (laughs) there's still new stuff you're like uh i was gonna say (laughs) yeah just uh well that's more to learn Geez, thanks. <laughs> well, but also, you know, yeah. having a Dianaga going out there, potentially, you know, doing some of the work for me, <laughs> maybe not so <laughs> sounds, bad. Yeah, I was going to say, sounds like it might help. Um, but also, it's new to me, but everything's new to me. But finally, yeah. something's going to be new to me and my opponent. It kind of levels the playing field. That's true. That's true. That will be something to look forward to. Like, while something's new to you, it's still also going to be new for someone else. They also have not played this objective before. So everybody will be on kind of an even playing field. You'll all have armies that are about the same and you'll just go at it and that'll be fun. I'll right. say for you, I'll say for you, Caleb, the unfortunate part of that is the uh, unnatural resources is played at the 800 point level. And there, there you go. One more activation. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say, I just heard his heartbreak. um but yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be really fun it is played at the 800 point level uh the uh there are keywords that are not allowed in in uh in this like actual keywords that if you have a unit that has the keyword they will not be able to use it Uh, yeah like the actually all the battle scenario cards like the downed atst the escape pod and the bunker because that's all we have out right now uh, those have similar rule sets. They, they're not, there are keywords in, that are not allowed to be used in those game modes. And the list of those keywords is bounty, infiltrate, and secret mission. Uh, any units that have those keywords will not be able to use them during those games. So, Boba Fett, Boss, Cad Bane will not be able to be claiming any bounties. Um, nobody's gonna be allowed to infiltrate, so nobody's gonna spawn, like, anywhere they want. And secret mission, nobody's going to be going to your deployment to get an extra victory point. And that's most of the reason that they do that is they just want the 
custom objective to be the focus. They don't right. want you to be playing another no adjacent uh, yeah. game. Right. No, no mini game, as I like to call Secret Mission, is basically a mini game that I play while I play Legion <laughs> with uh, with R2. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to play this game with you. And then at the same time, I'm also going to see if R2-D2 can uh, can make a touchdown in the, in the, at the same time. There's, yeah, I was going to say, if I'm just running through the card real quick, because I did show it off on the stream already. There, you do set up mostly the same, except for, you know, obviously what the card will show you as far as where to set everything. The gas vents, uh, th- and this is for anybody who just wants to, wants to have an idea of what this game is going to look like, just in your head. Um, gas vents, as you're, as you're going to be near them, uh, trooper units that have a unit leader at range one of a gas, v- uh, vent objective improve their cover by one. So you won't just be like sitting next to this token out in the open. As long as you're within range one of it, you'll have at least light cover, which is which is nice. The Dianaga cannot be uh cannot overlap a mini's base or an objective token, and vice versa. The roaming Dianaga token must be placed flat on the battlefield and cannot overlap or be placed on terrain. So, something to think about. If you have if you can get to a gas vent and be at range one of that gas vent and then like be up on terrain, that might be something to that might be something to do so you're not literally next to the Dianaga. Although you just have to be at range one of that thing, I think, to attack, so maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. At the end of the command phase, the player who has the fewest victory tokens may place the roaming Dianaga token within range two of its current position. If both players have the same number of victory tokens, the player without priority may place the roaming Dianaga token instead. So, you don't want to be winning this game necessarily too fast. Because if you're constantly winning this game, your opponent's going to get to keep placing the Dianaga where he, where they want. They get an extra unit. Yeah, I was going to say, they kind of get it's kind of an extra unit for whoever's losing. Uh, after a non-repulsor vehicle performs a standard move... If it is at range one of the Dianaga token, the player that controls that unit places the roaming Dianaga token within range two of its current position. So if you are moving a vehicle, right, and, uh, oh, after an honor, hang on, I gotta so read So you can again. bait it in, kinda. Yeah, I was gonna say, I gotta read this again. As a non-repulsor unit performs a standard move, so just a unit, so anybody, as long as it's not a speeder bike. Uh, if it's at range one of the Dianaga token, the player that controls the unit places the Dianaga token within range two of its current position. Okay, so you basically move it around. Yeah, you're shifting it around as you're getting close to it. So it could do like a circle around you. After the roaming Dianaga token is placed on a non-repulsor, or placed, or a non-repulsor unit ends its activation at range one of the token, roll three red defense dice. Each non-repulsor unit at range one of the Dianaga token takes one suppression for each block that's rolled and suffers one wound for each surge that's rolled. So that's all the rules set right there. So that's, you know, if you really wanted to, you could go out and play it now. Uh, if, you, if you wanted to manufacture the tokens and stuff and read off those rules, you could go play it now. But, yeah, so that's going to be really interesting. That Dianaga is going to be shifting around everywhere. Um, it's going to be shifting around a lot, and then it's going to be... Um, doing, and then it's going to be doing like handing out suppression and wounds and stuff. So, all right, Paul, if you had to workshop what kind of list do you think you would want to bring to this, 
not that we're pre-gaming the pre-game, but just just as a fun exercise, what are you, what are you thinking to bring to the table with the Dianaga? Do you have a, do you have like a, a an idea of like what you'd want to bring or like even what faction to bring? Oh gosh, um, I mean, it seems like you could potentially get. Um, something good with activations, right? Like if you have a good amount of activations, cause you can just make it move more, right? Like as you move close oh, to it, true. you could just keep pushing it around. Um, especially if you had up, if you're up activations against your opponent. Um, the other thing that, that stands out to me is Wookiees. Because even if it's passing out damage and suppression, those are a couple of things that Wookiee units don't really care a whole lot about. Just because mm-hmm. they have that high health pool and yeah. then they, they roll the red dice to get um, suppression, you know, suppression off and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, stuff like that like is some of the first things that come to mind uh, for me as maybe would be interesting to to play around with, with in that scenario. So, yeah, so maybe Rebels or Republic, if you're thinking of bringing, uh, Wookiees would be, would be something. Multi-wound model, everyone's got multi-wound models, you know, you could bring super battle droids or, uh, or like, uh, who am I thinking of for the Empire that have, uh, multiple wounds each? Do they not? Hang on. Revelation. Does Empire not have like a normal multi-wound like special forces unit or anything like that. Yeah, they have real, real guards. Oh, real guards are two. Yeah, okay, never mind. I was thinking like for some reason they were just one, and I was like, wait, huh? I uh, feel like uh, no, they I just mean, have two. Droids would be another decent one too, right? They don't care as much about suppression. If the B one, if B ones take damage, they're like, yeah, whatever. Like I don't care, just a guy. Um, there's three blocks on this thing. And only one surge. So the Dianog is going to do it. What it's mostly going to be doing is handing out suppression, like one to three suppression, almost guaranteed. So, yeah, you definitely need stuff that can handle suppression for sure. Yeah. And and Wookiees seem to be one of those for me that just stands out as being able to handle suppression really well. Right. Because you get to roll red dice to get them off. So I like those. Um, again, droids, droids are pretty good at that too, right? Cause if they don't have a ton of suppression, then it doesn't they really affect care. them. So yeah. yeah. So Caleb might have the leg up there if he just brings, he's going to bring his droids. So yeah, yeah. Actually, I got two legs up <laughs> because, uh, I'm going to be losing, which means I get to control the guy. <laughs> and also I want to have the droids and I guess, yeah, all those activations, three legs up. There you go. So I, I, I actually might be a Dianaga with all these legs. Right, that's what I was <laughs> gonna say. <laughs> I I do like the I, I like having games that have the like catch up mechanic too because that's one of the things that about this game that can be so great is I've had so many games come down to just like one or two dice rolls on yep. the last turn, last activation. Oh, if I just do this, then I win. Or Man, if I can just keep Han alive this turn, like I win. And, and so with catch up mechanics like, mechanics like that, even if you're someone, 
you know, like Caleb, who is a newer player, there's always the game is trying to make it so those kinds of things will happen, right? Like the game will be close longer or the game will be close at the end to give those really epic Star Wars moments that we all love to have. And one of the reasons why I think a lot of people keep coming back to the game because there's so many cool, um, you know, last ditch efforts to, to claim an objective. You know, I, I just need Luke to run in here and kill Vader and then I'll be, you know, I'll have it. And, or I just need to wipe out this stormtrooper unit on this objective and I'll be good. Or, yeah, you know, I just have to take out that Jin who's been a thorn in my side the entire (laughs) game. Oh no, she's dead by turn one if 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 I'm playing her. Well, if you're playing her. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I'm, uh, I'm out there being, uh, Jin or so the brave and the bold. And then getting her killed, like, end of turn one, start of turn two. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I do. That's what I did. You're um, just playing her thematically, right? Right, like, yeah. It, she, it's, <laughs> not, it's not spoiler alert at this right. point, right? <laughs> if you haven't seen it, that's your fault. Uh, but, yeah, so the – I'm, I'm also wondering if it's, if there's going to be something to playing – and Paul's going to love this – Bark Speeders. Or like repulsor units. Uh, repulsor spam. Yeah, if you just do repulsor spam, pa- Paul, you can bring your triple bark list, and you can just. He's already built it. Yeah, you can just. You can, <laughs> I'm just saying you can bring it, and you can, uh, and then you can just not have to, and the dinog just won't affect those units whatsoever. Not only that, but they're yeah, like that, shepherd dogs. Exactly. Say what? They're like little shepherd dogs because they get to push the guy around, right? Is that how that works? No, they don't even push it. They're just playing completely adjacent to the Dianaga, they don't they don't push it and they don't get hit by it. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if something like that would be another way to go and just having units that ignore you know the mechanics um <laughs> and kind of do whatever they want and not I don't, have to worry I don't so know much about it. I don't know if it's too super in the spirit of it, but that might be a route you might want to go. You might just be like, ew I don't want to look at this Dianaga. I don't want to touch it. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Ew. Ew. Gross. Get it away from me. And you just jump on a speeder bike, and then you're just completely avoiding it the whole Pod racing. Pod racing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe maybe there'd be something to that as well. Oh, and then I wonder, is that going to – I wonder if that's going to affect, like, if you had a transport transported unit in a – because it's at range one, but it's not a repulsor vehicle. So then does it get hit? If I put Han Solo in the land speeder and the land speeder flies by the Dianaga, does the Dianaga hit Han but not the speeder? Is it more Han or is it more speeder? Right. At that point, I'm starting to wonder. Interesting. It's definitely going to bring about some uh, some weird rules questions. So uh, if you're going to be one of the judges on those days for your store, uh, get ready for weird rule interactions because uh, every time there's a new unit and there's new objectives and stuff, there's always tons of those tons of those moments where you're like, well, <laughs> what happens now? Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> that so, just uh, snowballs, though, because every time they add something, then it's like, well, how does it compare with the last thing we added? And then all the base stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's always a, oh, how is this going to interact with this? And then, yeah, the more stuff, it snowballs, the more stuff that comes out the more stuff they have to compare it to to be like, oh, man, how's it going to affect this? Or how will this affect that? And, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot cooler when it when you have that ability to 
oh, I don't know how to defeat this or I don't know how to do this objective. But here now I have 10 different units to try, uh, 10 different types of units to try this objective or try this opponent and see what does the best. Probably because not yeah, school for Mr. Legion getting all those phone calls. Probably not, but <laughs> getting all those, getting all the forum posts, having to answer all those. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely a lot different than, uh, yeah, like Paul said earlier, like back in the day, back in my day when Legion first started and you only had three units in your army. <laughs> uh, dude, yeah, Gen Con, like, looked way different back in that day. I actually, like, sometimes still think about that where I'm just like, man, we will never have another event like that. Unless, Paul, we just host an event. Let's do it. Let's host an event called Year One. And we'll, and you're only allowed to play stuff in Legion that was out in the first year. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun little You could do it for multiple, too. like, years, too. You could do, like, Legion era. You know? Yeah, you can, you can only you can play with one. stuff. Yeah, you can only play with stuff that came out, like, during 2020 or 2019, rather. Uh, not 2020. It's a bad year to do that. Uh, the only stuff that came out in 2019. And just, like, you can only play or, that stuff. Or even just bring all the factions back to their basics. You can only use stuff out of core sets. Yeah, just, you, you can only bring the core box, like, only units that you can find in the core box. Oh, it's like boy. the puppy Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, that would be fun. All right, well, I think we've rambled on long enough, gents. Uh, we've taken up enough uh, enough of your time in your, in your nice droid uh, tinkering workshop establishment. We We don't have to buy anything, do we? Oh, you'll pay. Oh, okay, great. It doesn't have uh, to use credits. Oh, oh my. Uh, well, uh, uh, Paul will cover you in that department. Uh, Paul, Paul's got tons of stuff on his person. He's got lots of stuff to to offer. The the Empire is uh, my major employer right now, and they happen to be experimenting with bio droids, more droid than man. And I think uh, you might be a fine specimen. Well, uh, you know, Paul's a Wookiee, you know, Empire loves Wookiees. We tr- maybe we'll trade Paul in and we get, and we, and we get a new droid, right? Can we do Historic- that? Historically, I don't think they like Wookiees. Uh, but they'll love using him. Paul, you don't mind building a Death Star, do you? <laughs> I mean, I, I think I might be better off going back and messing with the Daimyo and on Dantooine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to decide from there, and I'll I'll maybe just pick up some droid parts to to, to decorate the uh, to decorate the ship with at, at the very least. So uh, thanks everybody for listening in. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us this month on Dice Time. Uh, we're gonna be getting everything. Everything should be by the time this episode comes out should be up on our on the new YouTube channel. So we've migrated over from. Uh, the Legion Academy channel and everything from this upload and actually previous several previous uploads going forward should be on the Terrain Studio YouTube channel. So if you check out the Terrain Studio on YouTube, that's where Friday Night Fights is getting held now. Um, that's where Dice Times episodes and battle reports are going to be. So check us out there if you're if you're a YouTube watcher. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening to us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, we'll still be there. So no changes there. But uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in as well. I want to thank Paul, and I want to thank Caleb as well. Thank you for coming on, Caleb. I, we really appreciated having you on. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And uh, we will have to see you once again in the future next month when we have 
I don't know, something else crazy to talk about. Who knows? Everyone knows. We know. Hope everyone had a dice time, and uh, I'm Ben Jetron. I'm Paul Watson. And go out and make today even better. Have a good night.